when I actually started learning a little bit more about homeless people and learning a little bit more about crime and learning about how, how important it is for law enforcement or first responders. Excited to be speaking with my friend Darian D'Orsay. He is currently in Alberta, and it's a fantastic time to be able to get to know him and learn about his perspectives about overall health. He is a first responder in Alberta. He is in multiple different divisions, and we're going to be diving into ways of how to be more successful inside your career and outside your career as a first responder. It's going to be incredible to gain insight from Mr. D'Orsay, and it's going to be incredible. Welcome to my show, man. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be able to dive into perspectives and really learn about how to be more successful within your day-to-day lifestyle as a first responder, right? There's so many issues in our society today that we think that we have to maintain this image or we have to maintain this cover and not really truly be who we are. And I feel that with your story and what you bring to the table is going to really break that stigma, right? So thank you for coming on to my show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's going to be incredible, man. We're going to dive into first about your childhood and what made you want to save lives and make a difference for other people. <laughs> that's the that's the money question. Yeah, you know, growing up, I kind of always wanted to be a first responder. I always wanted to be a police officer. I just that was something that I feel like I came out of the womb wanting to do. I just I knew as a as a child that my community is what was my passion, and that was something that I. I knew I needed to work for and make a difference that way. Um, actually trying to find ways to narrow down specifically what I wanted to do was a challenge. So I knew I wanted to have the law enforcement side and I knew that, you know, firefighting was so cool. You would see firefighters on the side of the road or at an uh, emergency scene and I was like, whoa, what are, what's going on? I want to be them. I want to be right then on that scene and, and helping out, but trying to narrow down exactly what it was that I wanted to do. And here I am many, many years later, working pretty much <laughs> every first responder job, still trying to figure it out. But that passion is still there. And you know what? It's I would say for people that are wondering about, you know, what what I need to do to attain that step to become a first responder or uh, you know, in the policing role specifically or what have you, is, is just take the plunge. You know what I mean? Take take that step and, and go for it. Work for it. Um, shape your life around. And that's what I did for the greater majority of my life was shaping my life to be that person for my community. And it's been incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. And you did it at such a young age, right? And you're transitioning to over five careers in law enforcement. You do the Canadian ski patrolling, you join the military, you did search and rescue, you've done a variety of different things, right? And what made you want to dive into search and rescue in particular? So search and rescue, um, it, it, it was just it was such a, a unique um, industry. It was something that kind of, you know, I, I didn't know too much about at the time, but I was always kind of intrigued by that that element of search and rescue. And I remember when I first applied, because it, it is voluntary. A lot of people don't realize it is 100% voluntary. Um, it's a volunteer position. You are dedicating time and hours um, sometimes money into into that position. But I remember applying to it to kind of learn a little bit more about it. The passion for me was was tracking. I wanted to be like a man hunter. I wanted to find that person that was lost in the bush or 
find that piece of evidence for police. And I remember applying for it and showing up to their, their open house night and them saying, you know what, this is the commitment. This is the hours that we need, not only for training, but also to ensure that you are an effective member to, to help the search team. And I remember sitting there like, how can anybody devote that kind of time and hour? Like, it's that's a full-time job. And it was something where I had to take a step back and reevaluate my priorities and say, you know, it's just, is this something that I think would be cool or is this something that I could dive into and commit to? And that was one thing that ultimately you have to commit to. It's, and you can't just show up once a year for, <laughs> for, a, for a search and, and be done there. You have to become a professional in your trade. But I will say it is for, for people who are interested in, and in that, um, the search element or have ever, you know, had that passion of that hide and go seek. And for me, that was me as a kid. I'll find you. Uh, I'll find clues and putting those clues together. And that's what fueled my, my officer side of the brain was, you know what? Those clues and bad guys and, you know, finding them or even good guys that are lost trying to find them track and use your brain to bring everything together to, you know, solve the problem. And that for me was, whoa, that's incredible. So joining search and rescue. Wow, what what a beautiful thing that's been. It has given me so many tools for every facet of, of work that I currently do. It's it, it's a it's a world that not a whole lot of people understand and realize kind of the, the environment that you'll be exposed to as a search and rescuer. It's not just necessarily, you know what, strap on the uniform and maybe follow some footprints and there they are, you bring them home at the end of the day. There's a lot of times where you might not be bringing them home at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Or you're spending countless hours and regardless of the weather, searching and, you know, exploring and venturing or training. So there's a lot to it, but I'll tell you, it has been an incredible journey and one that's given me so many different tools to help with um, many different types of careers that I currently work. So absolutely. Yeah. And you have to volunteer your time. You have to really make a commitment outside of your personal life to be able to do this on a daily basis. Right. And with the training and the background, it probably took a lot of time to get to where you needed to do. So what did you do? What did you do for school? Okay. So for, for school, right. Uh, I'll back it right into, um, as soon as I graduated, I went into, um, getting my, my diploma. I wasn't sure about a degree. I wasn't sure. Like I heard, you know, you don't necessarily need it for policing. So I was, you know, kind of hesitant. I just, you know, 12 years of schooling. I'm like, I, I'm done. <laughs> I'll squeeze that lemon dry. So I decided, you know, I'll, I'll dip my toes in a two-year diploma. And I got my two-year diploma in, um, it was a law enforcement diploma, uh, kind of like a criminal justice style, but it was just law enforcement and um, specialization in policing. That's what the diploma was. But while I was going through it, I started falling into this passion for for education and learning that, wow, you know what, a big part of my desire in life is actually learning. And that was something that I never really knew because growing up, I hated school. The idea of going and sitting in a classroom and, oh my goodness, I just was there for friends. I wanted, you know, to play sports and I wanted to have the social element. But I found out later on through through life that learning was my passion. So um, I took the plunge and decided to go get my degree in criminal justice. I still had that specialization in law enforcement, but through school, it opened up many doors in, at least in my mind, of avenues that I can go down. Still very hungry for law enforcement. So that kind of shaped the, the career, I guess, where I started applying to and started working in different roles um, from, from that moving into to higher roles like executive protection. For, um, I used to work actually for the Calgary Flames and the, uh, for the NHL there. 
And so I'd be doing anything from event security to even some executive protection work for celebrities like Selena Gomez um, or Justin Bieber or celebrities that would come to, to Calgary. So that was an incredible experience for me. But it was utilizing a little bit of that education piece into the practical um, piece of, of enforcement. Um, ultimately, yeah. So getting my, my diploma and degree were the education pieces that led into law enforcement. But once I attained my my role right now as an Alberta sheriff, I was able to open up more doors into education, into the fire world, into the ski patrol avenue. So everything is about learning and everything has what where I am right now is essentially from education. And I wish that I would have taken it sooner and would have went after it sooner. I probably would be maybe a little bit further than I am currently, but I take everything for as it is. And I'm blessed to, to be given the opportunities. But yeah. Yeah, man. It seems like all the opportunities came from learning and being engaged and from you hating school to loving school, essentially, and moving forward to your goals and strategies. Like, what made you want to overcome that? Or what made you want to, like, change your mindset about learning? Well, in particular, Um, actually, so as as young as I can remember, I actually did very poorly in school, Um, coming from failing classes to, you know, not being able to, to, be successful in, in a school world because I just didn't care. You know, like it was in my mind, the real world will come at some point right now. It's I'm, I'm here to have fun. I'm here with my friends, like math. Why, why should I succeed in math? That's boring. Now I actually can pinpoint the specific day I had my turnaround and my wake up call. It was actually bringing my report card home to my mom and her opening it up. And I already knew I had failed some courses in there in classes and, um, seeing my mom cry. She, she looked at that and as a, as a single mother, just been her and I, we have a very small family. So just her and I basically my, my entire life. Um, and seeing her look at my report card and just start, start crying. It was like, whoa, you know what I mean? The feeling for me was I just failed the one woman that's been my, my, my rock, my entire life, my, my support system. So that really, really hit me. I remember going to my room and being like, you know, I just failed my, my mom. It was that disappointment piece. And, for coming from a place of I don't care for school to all of a sudden being like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like I need to change my life around. I need to change this around. And that that's where my life shifted. I grew this this drive for education. And I found that even in retrospect, that everything I do, obviously I do it for my community and I do it for, you know, my myself, but I also do it for her. I, I as much as I've grown past that. At the end of the day, there's still a little piece in there that I hope that I'm never disappointing. I'm always making her proud and always that next step. But I remember from that moment, changing from a failing student to graduating as an honor student, to moving into my degree and graduating on the, the dean's honor roll. So it was, it was something that just, it was, it's this burning passion. And even to this day, my passion to succeed and learn and to be essentially the best I can be. But now that that parent role is my community. I want to be the best I can be for my community and make them proud and make them feel comfortable and safe. And so that's kind of, it's interesting to see that shift and that transition, but specifically, yes, that, that is my turning point. Yeah. No, it, it, that's really cool, right? It's good to understand why you want to learn and how you're adapting to become a better learner and to grow within your lifestyle, right? I think that's something that a lot of people are wondering, like, 
how can I have this growth mindset? How can I be more successful inside and outside of my job, right? When we're working in the first responder field, right, we tend to be very comfortable in our rules and then we don't try to adapt. We don't try to change. And what's a, what's a piece of advice that you could offer me for first responders in regards to that? To, to change? Mm-hmm. Like for to find that? So honestly, I think saving grace right off the top of my head is self-talk. And and positive self-talk. And on I I stress it so much and I know it's so easy to say and it's the hardest thing for, for many people. Um, but being able to check in with yourself and separate yourself from your current situation and, and talk to yourself. You know, maybe not out loud and in public where people are wondering what, what's going on with this guy, but actually talking and checking in with yourself and seeing what it is, what are my priorities? What is it that I'm looking for? What is it that what are my goals? What is my one-year plan? Am I attaining these micro goals? And all of these things, actually asking yourself, it's one thing to sit back and think, okay, you know what? I wish I was here and I should be here. And and all that leads down a negative hole. I find that actually talking to yourself, setting up goals, micro goals for that one-year plan projection or, or what have you, is what has saved me in many different aspects, either be overcoming mental illness or or um, phobias, I mean, um, I, a bunch of different things. Like I did suffer from a phobia as a child and having to overcome that phobia to join law enforcement as a, as a first responder was incredibly difficult. But that self-talk, being able to identify where my struggles are and my stressors and what I can do, um, the best thing that I can say is actually make that goal. If, if, you, if you want to be in law enforcement or you want to be a first responder or you know what, heck, if you want to sell real estate, Make that goal, make that micro goal of, you know what, maybe I'm going to try and just get my license or maybe it is a diploma. Dip your foot in, the, you know, even a certificate. I'm just going to try and just keep moving. I'm not going to look at the big picture. It's like they say with, you know, how do you eat an elephant? And it's, it's that one bite at a time. Absolutely. You know, for myself, I suffered from procrastination my entire life. I suffered, well, I should say my, my youthful life. I suffered from that ability to focus. And for me to actually break down that focus to um, being able to stop procrastinating was actually handling one task, the immediate task, handle those micro goals to ultimately be successful. It's incredibly intimidating thinking about starting a process as an, in a policing agency, um, law enforcement agency in general, or um, first responders, because typically they're about a year-long process. They require multiple documents or certificates or what have you. One thing at a time, one piece of the puzzle. And ultimately, you'll be you'll be successful if it is procrastination or school or what have you. One assignment at a time. Don't stress about the 15 others that are coming or the 15 other jobs that you may be working at the time. One thing at a time and you'll always be successful. And I swear by that. But as long as you can check in with yourself and positively talk to yourself and find your goals, you won't have a problem. Yeah, man, that self-talk is something that I even need to improve on here and there, right? We all tend to be in a position where, you know, we always think about what can we always do better instead of what we appreciate what we can do now, right? And understanding that there's so many different skills that you can develop and so many opportunities that you can have, but it obviously it takes that time and you need to create those small goals in order to succeed in that. And that's an incredible tip that you just gave me where, you know, you're able to manage that particular skill, right? Which is really incredible, right? And for you to overcome that being living with a single parent and overcoming a lot of different barriers that the average child doesn't really deal with, you know, like you were in a position where 
you know, like you were in high school, you're, you didn't have that male role model present to really kind of help lead you in that direction. Right. So let's uh, dive into that. Like what happened with that whole situation and what made you who you are, like to save lives for the community. <laughs> well, you know, and it's, it's crazy because when you look at um, a family of a first responder, sometimes maybe a father or, you know, even a mother has, you know, currently worked or previously worked in the military or maybe as a first responder or what have you, or maybe uncles or grandparents. And you kind of see that trend with families as you'll see somebody in there has inspired somebody to join the law enforcement or first responder world. In my family, nobody, um, you know, for the greater majority of my, my family is um, not actually a graduate um, individuals with degrees and, and what have you. So for the, for the majority of it, it, I was the first. Um, so for that, it's kind of interesting looking at my, my life, what inspired me to do that? And I ask myself all the time is because as far back as I can remember, I wanted to be in this role. So what was it that inspired me to be in this role? And, and it's an incredible, it's an incredible question because even for myself, I don't even have a concrete answer, but what I do have is variables and situations that inspired that passion. Um, to kind of make me want to do this. And I would say growing up, um, we grew up kind of on the lower end of the middle class, kind of always, you know, just shy of that, uh, you know, comfort level. Like we, I always had a roof over my head and I was always fed and my mom was, was pretty good for that. Um, but I wouldn't say anything in the lines of that we were comfortable, you know, it was kind of, we were, we were surviving um, and we weren't also living in the best area as well vividly remember waking up to multiple gunshots in the middle of the night and my neighbor's house was being shot up. You know, there's a van outside and they're just shooting multiple rounds into the house. Um, and so that, it, that was just kind of the area that I lived in. So it was on the lower end of things, but just kind of being surrounded by crime, surrounded by, you know, just not necessarily positive influences. Um, I found that that kind of helped this passion of mine where I wanted to make a difference. You know, I did see people struggling and people overdosing, and I did see these things. Um, specifically, I remember being terrified of homeless people, absolutely terrified. They, they would ask me for change, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is it. This is where I pass on. Um, but that in <laughs> itself, my uh, my birth father, he um, he became homeless when I was very young. He kind of gave up the, the working life and lived as a as a um a homeless individual for i want to say about 15 to 20 ish years um so i never really saw him i for the majority of my childhood i didn't even know if he was alive so that in itself but when when i actually started learning a little bit more about homeless people and learning a little bit more about crime and learning about how how important it is for law enforcement or first responders it kind of it started changing Sorry, changing those gears in my mind of um, why I do, why I want to do this, why that passion's there. But a specific event as to what inspired it, I don't, I don't got an answer. But I do know that everything that was around me, every element to you know having family members that were locked up in jail, to having you know um, finding out that family members from way back in the day were parts of gangs and 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 stuff like this. You know what I mean? Like it. Um, People that I have no idea, many, many generations back, I've never even heard of. Um, but finding these things out, it's okay. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe it is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's incredible because if you ask law enforcement 
um, or first responders, typically there might not be that concrete answer. You know, some of them may have had a situation where that, you know, there was a, an event and it's like, I need to change. I need to change this community. I need to help. But I feel like if you know, you know, it's, it becomes who you are and it is, it's in your blood. I feel like it's, um, if you don't know if you want to be in law enforcement or you're, you're kind of having that, that guessing game, you're meant to be in there. Like it's, if you're, if you're questioning if you should be helping your community, you're going to be helping your community. And I feel like it's, it's something that you don't, you know, come out saying, I'm going to be doing this because X, Y, and Z. It's um, factors. You know, there's many different factors that help influence that decision. So ultimately for myself, it was a little of everything. Every, every career or job that I worked as a youth just fueled that passion. Even, even now I, I'm there. You know what I mean? I've quote unquote, I've made it and I still am hungry for change. I'm still hungry for, for, for learning and education. So. That's, I would just say a mixture of my, my um, influences in life and the people that were around that, that ultimately inspired that. Yeah, man. Thanks for being honest about your childhood and being straight up about like your father and coming out with that story. It's really cool to hear that perspective, to understand that, you know, that yeah. anything can really happen in life and that you have to really diversify your perspectives and your views on life because a lot of people are like, well, my dad's this or my mom's that or my sister's this. And then they turn into this 180 hole where they think that they can be the same thing and then they don't transition to what they want to become, right? And it's cool that you're like, you know what? This was my history. This was my past. But you know what? I I threw it away and I said, screw it. I'm going to go out and I'm going to take care of it. And you dealt with the business, right? And it's incredible to see that transition where you're like in high school, you're like, man, like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to learn math. I don't want to learn this. Right. But then now you're like transitioning over to now you want to help out and save people from being shot at or going into a burning building and pulling someone out of there. Right. This is what you do on a daily basis. You're a firefighter, you're a sheriff. You you do this on a daily basis. Right. It's incredible to be able to have that change of life where you're now motivated to wake up every day to make a difference and to really be in your element, like you said. And that's really incredible to see that transition. I just really want to say like, thanks for even sharing that story because it's very motivational to, to hear that type of perspective, right? It's, it's really cool. So my biggest, uh, my biggest question right now is, is like, you know, we've obviously know that you've dealt with some crazy things in your life, right? So what is a way for you to manage your overall health? Like what's ways that you managed your overall health during this entire time? Okay, so right away, um, the best thing for me is finding ways to decompress. Decompression for me is everything outside of the working world. So that is setting up my life so that way I have these um, these days for decompression. So yes, currently, you know, my I work five jobs. So I'm working Monday to Friday um, from seven in the morning. I'm coming home pretty much at eleven o'clock at night, and I do this every single day for the past three years. It's a lot. But I've shaped my life so that way I can ensure that I have days such, for example, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday, or or a midweek, something. I've scheduled it so that way I have a day or two days for decompression. That is mandatory in my mind. That is something where I don't do anything. I don't take on tasks. I use that day for me. And that day could be anything from going to the gym, going for hikes, um, bike rides, walking my pup, um, to even some days where it's just I'm going to roll over, put on some Netflix and enjoy doing absolutely nothing. 
Um, for me, you're going to see a lot as a first responder. You're going to deal with a lot. You're going to deal with a lot of, you know, good people, a lot of bad people, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, but not bringing that home. Your, your home is your sanctuary. That is where everything that happened at your day stays at your office until tomorrow. And you can pick it up and you can deal with it again. You come home, you decompress. And it's so easy to say that right now. And you know what? You just leave it at the door and it doesn't follow you, but it does. But you need to be able to find ways that you know, okay, hey, you know what? I've had a really tough week. You know what? We're moving into my days off. What am I going to do? What do I have planned on my days off to work as that distraction, to work as that release? And you know what? The biggest thing too is let's say you deal with a major accident scene or you deal with a very violent offender. These things might play through your mind over and over again. And you can say, Darian, you know, like you told me, I just come home and go for a bike ride and all of a sudden I'm supposed to be better. But yet I'm still thinking about that car accident scene. I'm still thinking about that violent offender. Absolutely. You know what? We're human at the end of the day. So the biggest thing, if I have something that I absolutely can't decompress on my own with the factors that I do, either be the gym or what have you, then communication. And I'm not kidding you. Like talking about the stress in a controlled environment, you can obviously talk to just a random stranger on the corner or at Tim Hortons, but in a capacity that you can actually speak about the events, um, either be a coworker or um, supervisor or what have you, but actually talking about how you feel and talking about what it is that's kind of sticking with you, it instantly starts lifting from you. And I wish that these are things that I would have done a lot sooner because there are days that I recall being in my, my room or in my house being like, okay, I just can't stop thinking about it. You know what I mean? Well, let's put on a comedy channel. Let's watch some TV. Well, I'm still thinking about it. Okay, let's make some dinner. Let's go for a run. What I'm still thinking about it. But actually talking about it and actually getting it off your chest and the things that are sticking with you and the things that aren't necessarily disappearing um, is so important for your mental health. And it's so important for you to be physically happy with your, your career or physically able to handle the stresses of your job and not allow that to manifest over a career where it comes to a, a boiling point, I call it. So it's, I would say communication is very, very important. And I mean, every single first responder, um, law enforcement member is going to have a situation that they can recall on one hand where it was like, oh my God, you know, or I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't even want to relive this or bring this back up again, or you know what, I can't sleep at night, these kind of things. But a lot of first responders or a lot of, um, um, law enforcement members hold that in because there is that that notion of you know what if you do talk about it you're weak or you don't want your coworkers to be sensitive around you and maybe not necessarily you know see you as a, a strong member of the team and so these are kind of the battles that you know that's been fought over many years to try and get people to you know break through that barrier of PTSD and um, stuff like that mental health and mental awareness and um, I would just say ultimately, though, being able to find and organize your life so that way you have those days to decompress, but also being able to seek help or be able to openly talk about stresses that are going on in your life. I've come to a point in my life where if I'm having a bad day, it's not just like, hey, don't talk to me. I'm having a bad day. It's, hey, this is what I'm feeling. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is what's going on. This is kind of the stuff that I'm feeling. And wow, that, it was a tough day because of X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? And um, it's, Hey, you know, that, that car accident thing, whoa, you know, in our, in our, in our toolbox, in our meeting afterwards, it's like, wow, you know what, seeing that kind of stuff is like 
that that stuck with me. That's it's it's challenging. What do you guys think? What we're you know is that sticking with you guys too? And um, I found it very interesting that first responders all have different things that stick with them. Either it be maybe the cologne of the individual or the shoes, but things stick with people differently. And ultimately, talking about it is going to save you at the end of the day, hundred percent. Very good advice to to understand that it's a very simple technique that you can be able to use, but it's it's going to be your number one tool in regards to dealing with your problems inside and outside the workplace, right? It's great that you're able to say, Hey, you know, like you can compress your own time, but while you're doing that, you can speak to people that you can trust and love and be able to connect on that level where, you know, where you can feel open, where you can do that. Right. So it's important for us to find avenues that we can speak to or inform people about, right. It's not going to be the end of the world. If you, if you are going through a traumatic injury, right, it's it's really important to speak to someone in regards to that and really break it down so that you can really have that emotional release and also be able to make yourself grow and continue on growing, right? Like, like you said, like you have a phobia and you have like many different other things in regards to your mental health, right? And being able to manage that where you said, you know, compress and have time for yourself and create a schedule, manage your time. And, and that's a whole other category, right? Where how do you even manage your time in the first place? Right. And we'll probably get into that probably sometime in the next uh, two minutes or so. But like, I think that that's the biggest issue is people not knowing how to like manage like that time where they want to get home and they want to watch Netflix and do absolutely nothing. And they're just creating that brain fog and they're not really focused on their actual like physical health or their mental health in any capacity. I I remember doing this, right? Being like uh, a corrections officer, right? Where you're working, you know, 16 hours and you, you get home and you don't want to do anything at all. You just kind of want to like sit back, relax and chill, right? But you're you're kind of forgetting about your own problems as you're subconsciously doing it, if that makes sense, right? Like you're in a position where you're just like, I know that I just saw something traumatic, but I'm going to put it into the back burner right now and I'm just going to keep waiting a few more days. But then that few days could could trigger it, right? It could really go sideways, right? So it's really good advice for you to explain, you know, when you identify that you have a problem, go and communicate it immediately and don't wait upon it. Don't procrastinate behind that and go immediately towards that. And if you need to take the time off to focus on that, there's nothing wrong with that, right? And I think that's a really good point that you brought up, right? And it's awesome. How do you manage your time? How do you manage your schedule and for everything that you actually do, because like you said, it's easy to talk to someone. It's easy to, you know, put something down and be like, Hey, I want to do this. But some people are like, I love to work out. I'd love to do this, but then they don't do it. If that makes sense. Right. Cause they just don't, they don't want to manage the time. So what would you recommend? Well, see, like for me, uh, procrastination, I find bites so many people. I find like it's, it's that it's so easy to put something off till tomorrow. So easy. You know what? I'm going to do this in an hour. or You know what? I'm just going to take a, a 20 minute nap that turns into five hours. And uh, it's so easy to put things back than handling something right now. Because you know what? At the end of the day, we're human beings. We we get tired. You know, we, we just want time in the present. We don't want to deal with all the tasks because essentially we always have tasks. We always have something we need to do, either be groceries or laundry or what have you. What I have found specifically in my life, this might not be for everybody, but organizing your life so that way you handle tasks as they come and proactively plan. You set yourself up for this comfort buffer where mentally you have the ability to release. 
when you procrastinate, you put things back and all of a sudden now, instead of just having laundry, you have laundry, you have garbage, you have groceries, you have vacuuming, you have all these chores that bubble up. You end up doing one of them. You're too exhausted. You take a nap, you'll push the rest back. And it just saves you time, but it doesn't save you um, that anxious, that anxiety, that mental element. But specifically with scheduling, I find that if you can set yourself up in a way that, you know what, this is what I have going on for a week. Maybe I'm doing four on, four off. Okay. On my first day off, I'm going to utilize that to get as much as I can done chore-wise that I need to do. Even though you're going to be tired and you want that day to relax, just knock it out. Get that stuff out of the way. Boom. You just set up three days for whatever you need to do for prep, for exercise, for family, for friends. Handling those tasks and knocking those tasks off early. It, it changes your life. Three, like 360 is, is, is a poor term because you end up going back 180 degrees. There we go. Um, it changes your life around. I'm, I'm telling you, if you start now, wake up in the morning and make your bed. I know it's the weirdest thing, but a lot of people wake up, they get out of bed, they go to the bathroom, maybe they start getting ready for the day. But if the first thing is you wake up and you make your bed, you, you've already started your day on, on the right the right foot. You know what I mean? You, you've already handled a small task. You get ready for your day. Now you're out the door. You're already planning, okay, when I get home, I want to have X, Y, and Z done. For myself, I work until about 4, 4.15 in the afternoon. So my entire day is with with the sheriff. As soon as my day's done, I maybe have about an hour to get home to eat before I have to then go and volunteer until about 10, 10.30 at night, sometimes 11 o'clock at night. Um, so it's busy, but in that one hour to try and cram everything in there, it's just not feasible. It's just not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? So. For me, I leave my weekend and I've modified it. So right now I do have a, a Monday to Friday schedule and I have my weekends completely off. So my volunteering, even though it's not mandatory to volunteer, I've made it mandatory to volunteer. That's that's how I've shaped my life. Volunteering is, is just as important as a full-time job. So I volunteer every single day, um, every single week for, for the past three and a half years. And that's stressful, but having that weekend and knowing that I have those days off to decompress is is amazing. But for me as well, volunteering is my decompression. So trying to balance in, okay, here's my schedule, my Monday to Friday. This is what I need to do. In between that, I need to work out as well. I need to find that time. How can I manage that? Okay, on Mondays, Thursdays, or Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, let's say I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And this is something that I've shaped my entire life. So that way, every week, I'm set. I'm I'm prepped. I'm ready to go for that week. I'm ready to go for that month. I'm ready to go. So that way, my life isn't organized. Is it going to be, you know, flawless? Absolutely not. Sometimes I get called out. Sometimes, you know, I get a fire call and that throws a wrench and things. But knowing that I've handled those tasks, it doesn't matter when a call comes in. It doesn't matter if all of a sudden, I'm in the bush searching for nine hours because I know my house is in order. I've I've gotten those groceries. I know I've I've walked my dog or uh, I've done these things. And I've, I've found personally for scheduling and getting your life in order in in order. Sorry, is actually sitting down and figuring out your priorities and figuring out what it is that you need done um, early. Because we're moving into a world now where grocery shopping is becoming the day of. It's no longer a prep. It's coming like, hey, I think I want tacos tonight, and you're buying taco stuff that evening. It's becoming that day-to-day living, which ends up making this this stressful environment. We're becoming busier. We're becoming more worked. 
But it's amazing by just doing a week's worth of prep, not necessarily just food, but I'm talking just organization, how much less stress you have um, and sticking to it. If you want to work out twice a week, set a time and do it. When if you want, you know what, if you do your chores on Sunday, what happens if you tackle your chores on Saturday? All of a sudden, your Sunday's freed up. Your Sunday's different, you know. And what happens if you handled your chores right as soon as you got home on Friday? You, you cleaned your house. You got your groceries. You're prepped. Suddenly, you have a Saturday and a Sunday. It, it's it's just a mindset to get into. But organizing your life in that fashion, you save yourself so much stress. You save yourself you save yourself so much heartache at the end of the day because things start working for you rather than you working for them. And that's something that has saved me, especially currently working those those roles, it, it, it flows because I have a schedule that, that I follow. And at the end of the day, you're, you're human. If you're tired and you don't want to make it or you, you need a, a day for yourself, you can take that. It's okay. You're not failing yourself, but set a goal, set those micro goals that I keep saying and, and achieve them. Handle them soon, sooner than later. If you're a procrastinator, try handling a task as soon as you think about, think about it. Oh, I got laundry. Uh, maybe I'll, you know, kick back. I'll put a, a show on and I'll come to it in an hour. No, up, get it started, then come back, sit and watch your show and just see, try it out for a week and just see the difference. It's incredible. But that's, that's what my strategy is. And I'm telling you, I'm able to balance these jobs and a personal life and a fitness life and have no stress and no struggles because of that planning, because of that pre-prep. So that's what I would say is my success. When you do your pre-plan and you're prepping, like how do you actually do it? Do you write it down into a book or do you put it into a calendar? Um, how do you do it? Sure. Um, so I started with a book um, and that didn't last more than a day. I just found that I was writing a lot and then trying to reference back to a book just never worked. Um, I'm a big advocate for, for calendars. So I do have a calendar um, in my phone. I have an iPhone um, and reminders and stuff. Because I am so busy, I do like the reminders. Let me know, hey, tomorrow you got this kind of going on. But I've set it up so that way I'm consistent. I have my workday, my volunteering, and I have that Monday to Friday. I at Now, anyways, I don't need to have it let me know these are the practices that I'm doing or you have to be at the fire hall at this time. I've kind of come accustomed over the course of a couple of years that this is the, the schedule that I'm doing. Um, when it comes to events, like for example, this weekend, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, I'll be doing um, uh, high water rescue or, or um, water rescue for for uh, riverways. So I'm going to be with the fire department all weekend. It's going to be busy, but knowing that I have all of those day slots taken, my Monday to Friday is now, you know, that's going to be a little busier. So what I've done is in my phone, I know, okay, I can only volunteer until a certain part of the week because I have to still handle. X, Y, and Z for tasks. I need to make sure that my dog is taken care of. I need to make sure that all of these factors are in play. Where will I be staying? Am I, you know, do I need groceries? If I do, then I'm going to handle that a day before or if not. So that starts now. Like it's, it's you know, the weekend, it's Sunday. The big week is, is coming up. I have that that course going on on the weekend. So prep has already started. And it's it's one thing that I find that if you can utilize that calendar, if you can utilize things like even notes in your phone or um, even verbalizing to yourself, what is it that I need to get done or tackling them right now, just get up and, and do it. I, You know, if I need to mow the lawn, go and mow the lawn. It's, it's incredible. It's so easy. And I keep saying that it's so easy to say, just go and do the task. 
But it's amazing how, how often we push things back. And even if we push it back an hour, we've pushed everything else back an hour. And over 12 hours, that could be potentially 12 tasks that you've just pushed back by that time frame. So it's amazing to think just something so small, even a minute back or five minutes back, how much more delayed you are at the end of the day for personal time to physically relax and, and enjoy your time. So to answer your question, yeah, I utilize my calendar on my phone. Um, I set reminders. I, I like to prep myself at least for volunteer aspects and courses a month in advance. Um, trips, I have vacations planned at the end of the year rather than, you know, in a couple of weeks. So just really organizing your life. And it's so overwhelming to think, how, how in the heck am I going to do that? But just start by, just try a few days, try a week. When you get to a point where you can organize a couple months, whoa, you know what I'm saying? It sounds like a lot of work, but in all reality, you end up just living the days. Your phone works for you. Hey, reminder, you're in the fire hall tomorrow, or hey, you got a water rescue course coming up on the weekend or or what have you. Yeah. So that's that's my success. Write it down, notify it, um, and just knock out the things that you need to do early and do not procrastinate. <laughs> it's a crutch. Absolutely. No. No, man, like this is uh fantastic advice. I just wanted to figure out the tools and the ways for people could actually like, you know, how can I be more organized? How can I manage my time? And these are great examples as to easy strategies for yourself to be successful, right? And start off with a week and then work your way to two weeks. And then eventually you're going to be able to manage your time within several months if you really believe in it and you don't procrastinate upon that, right? And it's incredible that you've gained so many different skills because of what you're doing, right? You're being very proactive in the community. You're meeting so many different types of people and organizations and things like that, right? And you said volunteering is your way of kind of decompressing, kind of your way of just having that time for yourself, right? I'm assuming you've met so many great people throughout that and they've helped you grow throughout that time, right? So volunteering is something that you love doing. Why did you want to volunteer? You know what? It's it's funny. When I first started volunteering, the idea of volunteering was this is taking away from me time. That was That was the idea. Why would I ever want to give up couch and TV or time with friends to go and volunteer. I'm not being paid for it. it the, the mentality was so toxic. Volunteer was was taking away something from me. And shifting that mindset, to, it's actually something giving back to the community. It's something that's giving the community something that maybe they don't even realize they need. Um, that was the hardest thing for me. I can specifically remember um, getting into the law enforcement world and seeing how how important it was for, for volunteering. It was like, you know what, if you haven't volunteered, they might not look at you. And I remember like talking to friends and even recruiters and, and them really stressing the volunteer aspect and how important it is for you to get out there and volunteer. I remember signing up for a volunteer gig and this would have been, I think in 2008. And um, I think it was a run for leukemia or something along the lines and just being like, Oh my goodness, I just can't wait to just put this on a resume and get over with it. It was just, it wasn't, it wasn't for me, it wasn't a passion, but from 2008 and then 9, 10, 11, 12, every single year until current, it has been this this passion. And I think I want to say when I graduated high school, um, that's when things changed, when it was no longer just just volunteer here and there just to, you know, get out there and help. It became like my life. It became my second nature that volunteering is and forever will be a part of my my drive and my passion 
Um, and I would say that it shifted. It started as this, you know what, I just need to do this to, I'm going to do this because this is what I love to do. Um, and it's, it's crazy to see that because I definitely do remember being like, you know what, okay, if I need it for, for policing and I need it to get into law enforcement, then I guess I'll, I'll find some places to volunteer at. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I'll do that. Or I, I guess I'm having fun. But then actually getting involved in the volunteer world, it is incredible. The people that are just so selfless and just wholesome and just for the community and just all around good people. It is amazing. It's breathtaking. It's like a breath of fresh air, really is. You meet so many incredible individuals and they have a world of experience that you can utilize. These are tools that you can use to build your own empire. These these individuals with within search and rescue, let's say, or fire departments or um, ski patrol or even the Canadian Rangers and the military, stuff like that. Every single one of these individuals has something that they can bring to a table that not only help you, but also help the community and make it not only a safer place, a better place and with better, honest, more genuine people. And for me, it just was like, wow, this is something I've been missing. I hear I go starting from just like, I guess I have to kind of do this to all of a sudden I'm now looking, what can I join? Like, <laughs> take my resume or <laughs> like, like, hello, I'm calling you. I want to join. I want to help. So that's kind of like, looking back in retrospect on that is that it started out as something that was, I guess I will, I will do. And, and it just fueled this fire in me that I think it doesn't matter really the career that I stick with or, or I'm tied down to for the rest of my life because I will always be doing um, multiple jobs. I will always be volunteering in, in the community. And I know that it just, it doesn't matter how busy I get because the busier I get, even though now I've taken on a new role, my schedule got a lot tighter. I'm still going to be volunteering. I'm still going to be shifting my schedule and make it work um, rather than, you know, the, the opposite. But absolutely. Yep. So that's, uh, that's how volunteering started for me. No. And honestly, man, I think that's incredible where you're able to meet people outside of your work too, where you can actually talk to them. If anything's going down, you're creating more resources for yourself. You're creating new skills in the process. Like, you know, you've probably learned so many different things throughout your time volunteering and you changed your perspective about it saying, you know what, instead of me losing time, I'm actually gaining something out of it. I'm actually gaining skills. I'm meeting people. I'm growing myself as an individual. And that's really incredible, man. You're, you're a really young dude, right? And you're you're doing all of these different things, right? No, it's, it's incredible, right? Like you got guys that are just like, well, I don't really have the time for that. And I just got to focus on this where you're like, no, man, I, I really am passionate about, taking the time to help other people. And, and it really does show. And, and I really appreciate the honesty. I appreciate the, um, the truth that you share about your life and where, what everything you've done has brought you today. Right. And, and that's what the show is all about. It's all about what can you do to grow yourself as an individual at a young age and be able to grow and how to build these necessary skills to live within your day-to-day lifestyle. Right. And you're really hitting right. all the points, right? It's, it's insane, <laughs> man. Right. And like, I couldn't, I couldn't thank you enough for t- just taking the time to really speak with me on this podcast and to really understand your lifestyle and breaking down, you know, like from being living with a single mother and, you know, going through everything at the beginning where, you know, where you kind of was not really necessarily giving up, but like, you just didn't feel like 
you really wanted to move forward. And then you were like, you know right. what? I really want to save people. I want to save lives. And then you transitioned it into this beautiful masterpiece where, you know, you, <laughs> you did the military, you did search and rescue, you're a sheriff, you did all of this stuff. And, and I think what the biggest lesson that I learned with you today is, is just understanding to manage your time for your, um, for your better lifestyle, right? For you to be able to dive into yourself and just not worry about other people and focus on what can you do to manage your overall lifestyle in the best way possible, where it doesn't take a lot of time to do, you just got to get up and do it. Right. And a lot of people have that psychological upbringing being like, well, I don't know if I can, well, it's nice to know that you've changed that perspective for a lot of people. And, and I hope that um, you enjoyed your time talking with me. Absolutely. You know, what? this has been incredible. It's, it's always nice to be able to 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 speak and to inspire inspire people. You know what? And it's like you were saying, just the time in a day. You know, you hear that all the time. Is I just I don't have enough time in a day to do something. You know, I work till five o'clock, and by the time I'm done dinner, it's ten o'clock. Like we're skipping over some precious hours there. You know, and if you think about it, every single person works some type of job Monday to Friday or what have you, four on four off, or or you're working your your eight hours, maybe even a twelve hour shift. But in 24 hours, if you don't have enough time for even an hour in the gym or an hour to do personal things like exercise or decompression, then you need to reevaluate. Um, and that's something that I've kind of like to prove to myself and to others is that you can work five jobs, let's say, or work full time and volunteer with multiple different agencies and utilize almost all of those hours in a day. And you still have the time. For yourself, you still have the time to go to the gym. It's all about managing and balancing your priorities and being able to stop that procrastination bug and be able to reorganize your life and look at yourself and your priorities objectively and see what it is that you need to do and see how you can achieve those goals and tackle it head on, handle those tasks, get after those tasks and change your life. And you can do this as quick as today you can change your your life tomorrow by handling these today and organizing yourself today and and it's again it's easy to say but um ultimately get after those tasks and your your life will be a hell of a lot easier absolutely hell yeah man this is uh this is an incredible <laughs> talk and i i appreciate you just even taking the time to to speak with me and to really dive into the truth right it's it's really incredible and I can't thank you more. And thank you for coming on to my show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Awesome. You too. Wish you well and keep saving lives like you are. Keep saving lives. <laughs> <laughs> take, take care, my friend. Take care.